Amen, amen, amen. Well, I thought today I'd talk to you about Christianity for dummies. <laughs> for dummies. <laughs> Mainly because, and that's not you, okay? That's not you, but <clears throat> one of the things that we find uh, as preachers is that oftentimes the message of Christianity see there's a central message to the gospel that must be communicated to all of humanity and that is the message of God's great love because everybody you know we we sing the probably the most uh, frequent and popular topic for songs is love as it centers around and if anybody doubts whether God made us male and female and not homosexual just look at the abundance of love songs they're all man to woman girl to boy etc etc and so there's no room in there for same sex everything you've got to modify it with your twisted mind if that's what you what your persuasion is but anyway we believe God for better things for his people amen so but anyway because love seems to be the central theme it seems to be something that all human beings desire that uh, that they uh, think is necessary they think adds something to their lives there's there's that aspect of it that's so so common for everybody and so we we must take that into consideration that when God uh, gave his plan the plan of the gospel the central theme around the gospel is God's love and if God's love is not communicated in your witness in your lifestyle in your words that you speak to people anything like that if that's not focused on and addressed then you are uh, uh, missing the central theme of the gospel I don't care what a person's need is if they come to you for healing or something like that they must understand that that God loves them and he's the provider of these things you know or they miss you miss the whole whole uh, focus of the gospel and of that opportunity to share Christ with somebody God is love and he knows that that's what the world needs in the words of Miss Dionne Warwick what the world needs ah. oh yes yes <laughs> yes absolutely and so it's it's very important that we we understand that uh, people who are say inspired songwriters even in their personal lives they may not know a lot about it but they sure can write about it and act like they know something and you know can be as messed up as the rest of us but in that moment of inspiration that song was communicated to them and it did something for them and they released it to the earth and so we we must understand that love is the central theme of the gospel it is not faith it is not prosperity it is not healing even though these things are expressions of God's love toward us <clears throat> they are not they are fragments of it see it's not the whole picture it's not the whole picture. 
when we talk about dumbing the message down so that people can understand it, what we're talking about is taking the the fluff and the the enticement, the fleshly enticement off the message and getting it down to its core. And so that's what, you know, all the computer books, you know, I know we, we know why I picked that title because we've had so many books for dummies, you know, uh, all the different computer programs. And, and what that impression there is we have a way to simplify something that appears complicated to you because it's new to you or you're not familiar with it. And we have to do the same thing with the Christian message. We have to get all the extra stuff off of it the fluff and the hype and the what sells books and what fills up auditoriums and get that stuff off of it and get us down to the central message of God dealing with humanity and understanding what we need and providing it for us and that's what the gospel is about it's not about anything other than that John 3.16 we know says for God so loved the world and so this is when you say that, that that gives you the reason in God's mind and the reason in his heart why he sent his son to the cross as a substitute for the sins of the whole world. For if by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, then what by one man, Christ Jesus, redemption was brought into the world. So it was one one man sowing seed that destroyed and then another man coming and sowing seed that redeemed and brought back and restored. And so it's a simple system. It's not complicated. It's not hard to figure out. It's very easy. You know, we, you, you can say things like, well, uh, <clears throat> I was just born. I didn't ask to be here and I didn't ask to be in this system. Well, God's provided for you too. He's provided a way for whatever complaint you have about this, this world that you're brought into. God has a remedy for it and that's love. He so loved you that he made a way for you to get out of the sinful trap that you're in. Get out of the depraved lifestyle. Get out of the selfish lifestyle. To get out of whatever is your trouble. He's made a way for you because of the great love that he has for us. And he gave it so that whoever believed. And everybody can believe. Everybody can believe. So that makes it easy for everybody. That kind of includes everybody. You don't have to be born a Jew. You don't have to be born into a certain family. You don't have to join a certain denomination. You don't have to go through the sacraments. You don't have to go through the rituals. All you have to do is believe. So that puts it on a level where anybody can grasp it. Mm -hmm. Puts it on a level where anybody can grasp it. Believing is a choice. If there are things about God that we refuse to believe, it's because we refuse them. It's not because we can't believe them. We refuse to, to put our faith into those things. And so if, if we know that God loved the world and he made a simple solution. He made a solution that everybody can grasp. And he made a way that everybody can take. Then that puts it on the, the level of very simple to understand. 
Not complicated at all. Very easy to attain. We don't have to work hard at it. All we have to do is open our ears and our hearts to understand. That's a voluntary release of your will to hear what God has to say. Just to hear it. And so he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed on him should not perish but have everlasting life that takes place the minute you enter into it. See the everlasting starts in this realm. Jesus proved that. He said when when Mary and Martha were all messed up and crying and don't open that tomb because he stinks. He used to be my brother but not stink. You got me? And so he said I am the resurrection. Wherever I am that power comes with me. Wherever I am there's life comes with me. Whenever I show up I bring those things with me. See, And so when he comes he brings eternal life with him. You and I have eternal life living in us right now. All we got to do is is release it through obedience to the spirit of God. The Bible says when God's word enters it brings light and understanding to the simple. You know what light does? Say for instance if you come into this building and there's no light on. And you uh, you know see a, a little ray of light up ahead all you got to do is take a step at a time till you get there See? and that's all God's word does it brings a step at a time for us to step in and obey and then you get another step another ray of light so uh, uh, who can't do that I mean who can't do that that's what it means when it says it brings understanding to the simple what do I need to understand just one step at a time wherever it, it's illuminated that's where you go where it's dark you don't know nothing about that because you can't see it so why go there so just let his word come in and shine a light to show you what step to make huh? that's all it's very simple this isn't complicated you don't need to you know do anything real exotic to, to have relationship with God He's the easiest person. All you have to do is believe. And you're in there. huh? Human beings that take you through so many changes. You wish you never knew them. Huh? To get along to have relationship with them. You, uh, uh, baby I don't, I don't let no woman uh, do this. And I don't let no woman do that. And then the women just as bad. I don't cook for nobody. And I don't no man tell me what to do. Well why did we even bother to get to know one another? If we going to do all this I ain't doing and I ain't doing and I can't. Mm. See God's not like that. Huh? He's not like that. He's the easiest person to get along with. Because he gives you everything. That's what we want. Isn't it? Want somebody going to give us everything all the time. That's right. That's what everybody's looking for. And so God does that and provides for us. In John 15. Give another description of God's great love. Related to John 3.16. John fifteen thirteen says, Greater lay love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. 
And he said you are my friends if you do what I tell you to do. Huh? That's the only way you get to be friends with God. Huh? You got me? So this friendship comes with a requirement. Now it's not really a price. He's I mean, come on folks. Listen we, we put too much emphasis on our our part of doing things. There's a requirement here. There's a stipulation. He says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. So just continue in my love. In other words, once you've received Christ, let him continue to work in you. Don't stop the flow of his love in your life. He says, if you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. Even as I've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So he says that I draw strength to do what I do from the father. He says I do what he tells me to do and that allows the strength of his love to flow through me. This is how you get healed. This is how the multitudes are fed. This is how it's done. Is that I abide in my father's love because I do what he tells me to do. So as long as you're obedient to God you draw everything from him that you need to do anything with. It's not you doing you not making all these sacrifices and you know that's just you trying to make it more than what it is. Hmm? Verse 6 if a man abide not in me he is cast forth as a branch and withered. You'll dry up from lack of love. I don't know what Bible y'all reading from but that's what mine says. He says I'm the true vine. He said I'm the vine and you're the branches. You draw from my power. You draw from my life. You draw from my love. That's why they followed Jesus. He didn't have an internet to go on or a Facebook to make friends with or he did it by obeying the Father. See, we're going to see a lot of folk wither up. Because they've been doing most of what you see done is done through natural ability to gather people. It's not done through obedience to the Father. Mm-hmm. Some is, some not. A lot not. A lot of it's done through PR people who tell you when you see people sell, you know, 15 million books and that kind of stuff. That's done through a PR system. Huh? There are good books everywhere. But the ones who get them out there and sell all those millions are the PR people that get out there and do it. Now there are some people that sell large numbers through word of mouth but it's not in, in that great a number. And there's nothing wrong with it. They need to get in the hands of people. But if you're, if you're 90% PR and 10% obedience to the Father it's going to show up somewhere. You got me? Father doesn't put all these people in your path. But he he helps quite a bit with people to get where they need to be. He's got covenants with people. He tells them if you write books I'll sell them for you. He never tells you how many. Huh? <laughs> he leaves that up to himself. See that's that's the, the hold card. 
you never know the extent because it's in hold because God's seeing how you're going to obey so he can bless you it'll go real far because he'll bless you real far because you obey real far but you start obeying other things and it won't go as far with him so he'll do that but he says if you abide in me and I abide in you you'll bear fruit you'll flourish you won't wither up you won't dry up but if you detach from me you quit obeying me or you obey me when you feel like it or you obey me when it's convenient and then you have excuses when it's not you more excuse than obedience you're going to wither up mm-hmm. he said you'll be as dry as, as a, a cast off branch he said men will gather it up and cast them in the fire where they're burned you don't want to be eternally lost well keep walking in eternal life you're obedient to God and his life pours through you you're full of you're flourishing you're healthy you feel good you want to do things for God you feel energetic you want to keep going you want to keep giving you want to keep living you want to keep that's eternal life it keeps on keeping on it doesn't stop and complain of fatigue or stop and complain of this or stop and complain of that you know it it just keeps living and keeps giving that's eternal life well as long as you're obeying God that's pumping through you all the time see you quit obeying God you get just dry and upset and short tempered and mean and angry and you know all the the negative fruit will start to to pour forth from you and that's what he means in verse 6 you don't abide in him you're cast forth you just keep disconnecting from God it starts out little bits at a time you know people see where well you know I can be missing from here and missing from there and not do this and not do that and it adds up see and then your mind starts giving you excuses and good good reasons why you're different you got it and so that's the first sign of the devil stealing he'll steal from you and rob you blind you just start getting happy about not being able to do what God expects you to do Well, good. You need it. See? For D U M M. No. (laughs) This is easy to understand, isn't it? See, it's real plain now. Because these things grow. They're like seeds that are in people and they start to grow. And then pretty soon, you're not there at all because you've dropped off. You've let the devil cut you off because of a bad attitude about disobedience. Well, you got a wrong attitude about it. When you disobey God, you need to repent. Well, I had to work. I had to do that. No, you don't. There are a lot of people that get out of work. Mr. Gary had all three days booked up and he got out of his. <laughs> and made it to where he was supposed to be. And did his whole day of car washing. With Mac as his boss, I'm thinking, I don't know how they make it back in that backyard. But that's your problem. <laughs> Ain't up to me to run that backyard. But, you know, hey. Mm-hmm. I made it to work on time. So it takes a little effort, but think of the reward. And see, if you're one who's comfortable making excuses, you don't know about the reward. What's the reward, Mr. Gary? There you go. It's whatever. You are not worried about a thing, are you? Huh? <laughs> that's that's worth money in the bank. That's more than money in the bank right there. 
You got me? And so this is what he means when he says abiding in me. I abide in the Father. The Father abides in me. I do whatever the Father tells me to do and so forth and so on. It's an everyday thing. What did the Father tell you to do yesterday? And how would you do? What are you telling you to do today? And how do you do? What did he tell you to do last week? How would you do? We all know what he expects from us. And if you don't know you need to ask him. Huh? Oh gee I don't need another thing to worry about. Why would I ask God what he wants me to do? (laughs) You got me? Right. So this is necessary. This is why this message needs to be in everything we speak about God's kingdom. And what's happened is over the years we have taken it from just a very simple plain gospel message to talking about benefits mostly and talking about reaping and not sowing because the increase is going to come anyway it will come into your life in a way that the reaping's easy all you just have to do is look up and it's there you got me and write a check or whatever you need to do get take the keys out of somebody's hands whatever it is that's reaping for us you got me now it takes faith effort to do that you got to stand and you got to believe when it passes by your house that's yours and not let it keep going reach out and touch the fender of your car there you go that's right Mr. G keep that hand up there brother that's right (laughs) I can go to Matthew 22 first I'll take you there first and then we'll go over to the this is the simple gospel the one we're supposed to take to the whole world See when people stop and say God how do I witness to people. That's a good question. Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Because he will give you the simple. What he really tells you is open your mouth and I'll fill it with words. You know. All you got to do is be there. And wait for the filling. Don't let your words wind up being his words or speaking for him. But if you open it up he will fill you with words. In uh, Matthew 22, start in verse 37. Jesus said to him, this guy asked him, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Now that's already somebody who wants to cheat, you got me? When they say, what's the one I really have to do? Not the ones I don't have to do. You got me? What's the greatest commandment? Jesus said that's real simple. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. One interpretation says. So that's your heart, your soul and your body. It's not just a mental thing. Heart, soul, mind and strength. This is the first and greatest and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So in other words this is the true vine. This is the trunk of the tree. And all the other 
commandments are branches or offshoots of this. <clears throat> and everything the prophets taught spring forth off of this. So everything in God's kingdom springs forth off of this law. Why do we not teach this? You can turn on Christian television and I've been tracking it for years now. You can turn on Christian television and you won't hear a message about giving, about giving to your neighbor, loving your neighbor, doing your neighbor justice, doing them a favor, taking care of the kids for nothing if they need it. A young couple, you know, it's an older couple that their kids are grown, you know, they tell you go buy a Corvette and drive off into the sunset when you retire. And not be around to teach your grandchildren the ways of God. You got me? And so this is wrong. This is not Christianity. This is not what Jesus said when he said love your neighbor as yourself. What he's saying is don't ever do anything, say anything or act in any way towards somebody that you don't want have happened to you. You got me? And so this is extremely important. And the essence or the crux or the, the, the tipping balance in anything is how much you are willing to give. Because love is an action of giving. Love is the force that ties us to God. For God so loved, he defined love in that scripture. So loved, he loved so much that he did this that's related to love and proves love is giving. You cannot take giving out of the gospel. You can't take it out of love. You can't take it out of your relationship with God. You can't take it out of your relationship with other people. It's there. And it's there permanently. Now we have received his love if we received his son. So we have it. It's in there. And we are to reciprocate this love that's been given to us. Now that's just manners. Somebody gives you something you thank them. Somebody gives you something you remember it and you try to reciprocate in some way. That's it's just common to do. So it's not difficult to understand it. Anybody can grasp these simple truths. So God keeps it simple but then the devil comes and complicates it. He throws stuff in there and puts certain stuff out of balance. If the crux of the gospel is love and love is giving. Why is it that we're taught all these so called principles and methods that don't include this pivotal concept we're to love back which means we are to give God designed us to give you know anybody can talk a good game but love is an action it's a follow through on what you say you believe it's a follow through so this is what separates the Christian from the rest of the world this is how they know us by our love you know you pass from death into life because you have love for the brethren you used to hate them Christians now you love them so you know you passed but something happened in you so you don't hate them people no more you love them 
If you still, if you're born again, still hating on God's people, you just need to repent and correct yourself. So this is what separates us from the world. And we give. We're predisposed to giving because of the love of God that's in our hearts. Hmm? You don't feel good if you don't give. This is why people feel safe in reaching out to the church. It's because we're givers. They know that when they come in, when people come into the church, they expect you to uh, show them some kindness, show them some some, uh, graciousness. They expect to come in and feel comfortable, take a seat, feel welcome, that kind of stuff. They expect that from the church. They expect to feel welcome if, if, you know, something's offered, you know, if coffee's offered or something, you know, whatever it is. I know they got a lot of churches now with dispensers and got pay for everything. But they used to call it fellowship. They used to call it a love feast where they would have everybody come in. You'll still see it in some, some you know, what we called uh <laughs> We call them churches like like what Amish people do. Country places or uh, um, primitive type religious settings. Well, for those of us who are really upscale, you know, they got a Starbucks and a church somewhere in ATM and they're all that crazy stuff. You know, and, and, and so we have to understand that God has, has always kept the church as a giving body. As a body that people can feel free to expect that something would be given to them when they come. Give comfort. You can give solace. You can give uh, people feel. They, you can pray. They expect you to pray. If you they come in with a problem and there's an altar call, they expect prayer. That's why we always have an altar call. We don't end a service without asking if somebody wants prayer because that's what they come here for. A lot of churches, you get prayer whenever. You know, they don't have an altar call. Hmm? Why? Because they quit giving. It's a simple thing to give. Then we teach giving. Except, you know, money. We all know that. So people reach out to the church because we're known to be givers. They feel safe in a giving atmosphere because it's a loving atmosphere. And they expect to freely receive from God's people. They're not expecting you to tell them they got to give certain first or whatever. That's foreign to to the concept of God's people. So the Christian, as Christians, we can expect to be expected by others to give, forgive, pray, take time with others, meet the needs of others. That's what the world expects from us. I hate to say this, but the world's been shortchanged. Huh? It's so true. There's some some people who are so committed to giving, they have to press so hard to get money. It's a shame. It really is. It's it saddens me that a church that's got millions can't write a check to somebody that they know is feeding starving people over in a country that you'll never go to. You know, uh, James and Betty shouldn't have to beg people. Take up, you know, like the last 15 or 20 minutes of their show to, to, that's really just a fundraising 
means for them to do what majorly they want to do and that's to go in these remote areas and provide and these people who are starving who won't live another day if they don't get physical food something we throw away a lot of but the big big money people should be writing fat checks to them you know James and Betty I'm going to take the pressure off you know maybe you don't have to pull so hard on the general public to try and get your budget met we want to we want to take that pressure off of you we're a body for crying out loud if they're hurting over there because they they and these people know they're people of integrity they're not taking most of that money and doing goofy stuff they've never been those kind of people they've never lived high on the hog Pat Robertson either they're simple people who live simple lives and they they have a simple uh command from God to do what they do you know the fat people need to be sending them big checks and they're running into trouble folks just you're going to watch it you're going to see it and we're seeing little inklings of it now where the fat pockets are having lean lives see what does it say here if you don't abide in me you get enough opportunities to disobey what I tell you to do cut corners here cut corners there not release eternal life like you're supposed to you're going to feel the effects of it. Hmm? They start feeling disturbance at home. Huh? And it's it's going to hit more people folks. There's no way it can't. If this isn't corrected. And they don't repent and turn around and start obeying God again. It's going to mess up even more. And get back to what God told us to do and that is give. Amen. Don't use this vague term love because we all think mm-hmm, kiss kiss and no action so to speak. You know what I mean. All the married people say I know what you mean the singles y'all, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. It went over your heads with good reason. You got me? yeah and everybody knows what we're talking about here and so love love is action the action of giving is love period period you're not concerned about you because God takes care of you and you can freely give you can freely do these things I remember when I started the ministry and you know my husband wasn't saved he used to give me a hard time about it and years later he he said well you know said well well, one thing I'm he said I'm glad I I can I can can work and take care of us you don't have to work he said and that frees you up to be able to do what you believe in doing you know that kind of thing so it's that's why God takes care of us to free us up to do what he tells us to do not to get entangled in a bunch of nonsense to give really means to commit when you give something you commit that thing to that particular thing so a, a giver commits something to something giving is a committed lifestyle It means you don't waver in it. You don't take it next week and go give it somebody else. 
It also means to deliver. And often deliver on the commitment or deliver on the promise. Listen there's no way God's going to be pleased with us if we don't commit with our words and follow up with action. That's the way he is. He lives that way. He expects us to live that way. So you got to let your mouth say it and let your feet and your hands follow up on it. Can't just tell people I'm praying for you. You liar. You're even praying for yourself. Or you wouldn't be lying. It also means to minister. That means to give out. Not take. It means to offer. To yield. And then the other aspect of it is to receive. So there's no way you can give without being a receiver. It means to take. It means to have power. Giving is power. People who feel they don't have anything to give are powerless. They don't know what to do with themselves. So you just need a little visit from the prophet who will say what do you have in the house. See people hate that. They hate that. (laughs) (laughs) She going to tell me I got to do something. Yeah you got to do something. Why sit you there until you die. So giving has to be embraced as a lifestyle. Don't give one thing and get excited about it and go pass out somewhere and talk about it for 10 years. We're to build our lives around giving. Your giving is not special. It's expected. It's normal. It's not extraordinary. What you do for God you need to do more of. We all know we don't give enough. We don't do enough. So the world expects this because God expects it. And he tells the world to anticipate that his people are going to do this. Oh yeah. That's why people can hate you and persecute you when their life is going good. But then when things aren't so so sweet, they're all ears. You know, now they want to hear what you got to say. And what do we do? You don't withhold good from them because they did you wrong back in the day or yesterday or whatever. You give. You open up your heart and you pray or you do whatever it is that, you know, the more you have, the more you're required to give. I don't know why people want so much stuff. You know, I'm serious. This is what's, what's kind of messed people up some in Christianity. Is that you can pretty much count on the wealthy ones to start to fall after a while. Because it's hard to be faithful with that much that belongs to God. It still belongs to him. It ain't yours. Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. They got on TV and they saw how much money could come in. They did it. Actually they did it over in Pat Robertson's ministry. 
Because Jim Baker had a way to get on there and Tammy would sing and man you'd empty your purse out if you wasn't careful. I mean there's lots of elderly people that would send in a whole check or just because they were moved. And they saw the pictures of what they were doing. They mentioned God and all this kind of stuff. You notice he can hardly get a little thing going now. Oh how the mighty have fallen. You see. Once you mess up and you show God you're not faithful. One time you're going to be hard to be trusted again. You you operate at the level where you're trustworthy. That's that's what it is. It's it's about that and nothing else. About, I don't dislike none of these people. I don't have an extra grind. I'm trying to teach you something so you don't fall into a snare. But if you're not faithful, you're going to suffer for it. You're going to suffer the fall. Because the enemy has a snare in there for you. Be happy in your little sandbox. Hmm? Get your little water, dump it in there and make you a patty every now and then. And <laughs> if you're faithful, he'll take you higher. But if you're not faithful, when you start going up... You'll start to to feel a shaking underneath you because of what moves. So the problem here is why we have to dummy down the gospel again. This is not the first time this has been done. And Jesus tarries it won't be the last. But we have to go back to simple, simple laws of giving. Simple laws of obedience. Simple laws of love that help us to... Stay fruitful in God. Stay uh, in fellowship with him. Live a good Christian life. This is the Christian life is not meat or drink. See again the message has been skewed. Until it's been taken off the foundation of love. And off the foundation of giving. Psalm 103.2 really puts it in a better perspective. This is, is it, this is, uh, and I'm sure an attempt, attempt to upright the skewed message when it starts to fall over on its side. When your, when your foundation is skinnier than the building on top of it, you're gonna have a problem. Got me? You should have the the foundation should be broad. You should have a broad foundation in giving and serving and ministering and so forth and so on. And let God add to that house things that will bless your life and please you as you are, are converted and you love God. And so it says bless the Lord O my soul and all that's within me bless his holy name. That's what you're born to do. You're born to serve and bless the Lord. Huh? Everything within you is required to please God. Not just, you know, coming in to the service and, and putting something in the envelope and going home. But everything within you. Is designed to bless God. To be a blessing to him. To speak favorably. To act out the favorableness of God in the earth. That's what you're designed to do. He says all that's within me bless his holy name. Now and he says bless the Lord O my soul. 
So he's he's going on and on and on and on blessing God and feeling good about serving God and having a full life in God. And he says oh yeah I forgot his benefits. So your life should be so full of service and blessing God that you got to remember and not forget his benefits. How many people will run from job to job looking for benefits? And lose most of them because they're looking for something. <laughs> you know, some people try and get a, a, you know, most jobs you don't even get a retirement until you're 10 years in there. And, and some people pull up stakes and before you know it they've been at a job like 15 jobs in the last 15 years. And never have any investment because they think they're going to something better every time they move. It's true. They're looking for something better to benefit them. Well the psalmist says here. If you will live a life blessing the Lord. Focusing on him. What does he want from you? What do he put you here for? What are you going to do for him? That you'll have to stop and remember benefits. And what have we preached in the church for the last 25, 30, 40 years. Is nothing but benefits. There's no purpose in benefits. What are benefits? Sick days. Time off. That's for people who's decrepit and falling apart from working 40 hours a week. The benefits aren't the major part of the job. Do you like the job is what God wants. This is your job. Preaching the gospel working for me. That's your job. You need the benefits if for some reason you fall off at the job. So why are we promoting benefits all the time? See even if God gives you sometimes God will give you a simple gospel message. And before you know it you start creeping in more and more with the benefits creep. Make their little entry. And start to take the bulk of the message. The reason many times people get resistance to the prosperity, quote unquote prosperity message, is because it shouldn't be mentioned at that point. Many times when you don't get that response from the people that you're looking for, you know, even if you mention everybody sinned last night, Amen. Put me on the, give me the mortars bench. You get an Amen from most people, but there's a dead silence oftentimes when you mention. Now I'm not saying it's wrong all the time, but it's wrong as many times as people mention it. You got me? The Bible says, "Exalt the Lord and forget not His benefits." You think you think you really need to be preached over and over again that the church has been wrong for teaching poverty, which I don't think anybody really teaches that. I think the devil comes in and tells people that kind of stuff. And but there've been rich Christians forever. Some of the richest people I know are Christians. You you understand what I'm saying? But they don't. They found a way to please God and bless God, and that's their portion. And they know that if they don't give God his portion of that they won't hold on to it. If God's made you rich he's told you how to keep it. 
You've proven to yourself how to get there and you know how to keep it. People don't get rich serving God by keeping most of what they have. They get rich because God blesses them and they know what to do with it when they're blessed. That's how they accumulate more. That's the only way these laws work. So they don't need 15 sermons, 20 tapes, 500 tapes that you listen to them over and 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 over. Like we're, you know, who are these people? Tony Robbins. Motivational. See. It's really taught more on a motivational level in the church than it is under the anointing to get people to prosper because you can't leave out the main purpose of your life in God and then just teach benefits and people get it and God anoints it and God blesses it and God helps it you can't do that that's why they got to keep hammering you with it over and over again because it's hard to get it to sink in without much anointing. Now some of y'all don't like this. But you'll get it one day. And you'll realize why these laws do not work. Without the foundation being central in giving of yourself. Being a minister of God's gospel. And allowing God to take over. So take over your life that you don't refuse him anything. It's true. You'll never, you'll never prosper making your own way in God. Preference, preference, uh, uh, preference life. You know, you certain things you don't want to do, and certain things you do do, and all that kind of stuff. Pastor Shirley was <coughs> saying yesterday. She says this every time we have a car wash. I just tell her, I said, well, look, I got to go fry the chicken, Gigi. I said, you stay in here. I said, because people are going to look for a pastor. I said, I don't look like one. I said, and I'm from out of town and I don't have to be the pastor today. I can be, I can cook. And so, you know, we laugh about it. But she said, I'd rather be doing some work. I said, no. I said, because when people come in here, they want to know whose church this is. I mean, they're looking around at everything. And so that's that will be your portion to do. I said, you know, when it's time for me to look cute, I cute up. I'll clean up. I clean up. I know I clean myself up. Get on up there in the office. And, but I'd be lying to them. I'm not, you know, the pastor there. So. So it's just good to know your role and function there and do what you do and so forth and so on. And so it's good to know that that if you do what God's assigned you to do no matter what it is. Even though it's something you don't feel comfortable with. And you know she's been my sister ever since we've been in the earth. And I know she doesn't like to sit and watch people do things and she not. Uh So it's a discipline for her. It's something out of character. So, you know, she has to discipline herself to do that, you know. So, so it's going to be, there's going to be something that's going to kind of make it a little unpleasant for you, whether it's withholding your, your gifts and your abilities or whether it's having to put something out there that you don't want to do. Just because you've never done it before. Most people don't want to do things because they're even nervous, insecure. Not sure, and they can't be get beyond that. 
See, that's that's something that uh, God, through His anointing, will help you break through it if you focus on giving and loving Him. Be like a little child and humble yourself. You humble yourself like a little child, God will help you break through your flesh. And he can pull more out of you that you never thought you'd do before. But if you don't do that and you're always looking to be comfortable in what where you are and what you're doing, you're going to miss it. You live a life missing things. And nobody wants it. We want it all but we don't want to do the obedience that it takes to get there. Well not everything God gives you to do is going to be pleasant for you. You have to do some highly unpleasant things until your flesh learns to cooperate with your spirit man. Spirit man wakes up and says I'm driving the car today flesh. Get in the back seat. And you just go along and do what I tell you to do. <laughs> you will be happy. will be prosperous. will be blessed. But if you stay in the front seat you won't get much. You got me? So this is, is what the Christian life is about. It's about the life of sacrificing what you want and what you think you want to God's will. To his total will. His will in everything. You know we've been doing these principles for years now. Nobody's gotten rich but the preachers that preach it. I'll just be honest with you. You don't see a lot of rich and people keep flocking in because they think they're going to get something for free. Mm, I got two amens. Hmm. The rest of y'all will get it some other time. But you won't get it without a life of service and love to God. And even people who serve him and love him only get so much. (laughs) It's tight in here. Somebody don't like this. I don't know who don't like it but that's too bad. Because I've been waiting for the stock market to fall in so I can finally preach y'all the truth. Because nobody believe it if you tell them on top of all the prosperity stuff we've been told. They won't. And we got people that can't even get healed anymore because they've been holding on for money and don't know they go hand in hand. They don't even exercise their faith for their own bodies to stay well. Idiots so you can go to work every day. How are you going to get rich and you can't labor? But yet they don't want to hear about healing. They don't want to hear about money. Well go to Tony Robbins if that's all you want God for. But me, I need a daddy. I need a friend. I need somebody who can give me. I need somebody to empower me. I need somebody who can help me make sense of the life that I have down here. I don't just need stuff. You kidding me? I had stuff before I met God. Ask my dear late husband. Baby, where are we get all this stuff? Isn't it wonderful? Hmm? And I didn't lose everything. I just committed it to the Lord. You know I mean. You you do what you do. To get in the kingdom. You do what he expects. To live right. So we're told not to forget his benefits. It should be a lifestyle. Where benefits are easy to forget. Because you're so wrapped up in loving God. See. They shouldn't be driving your life the lack of them. 
See that's the wrong dude in the driving seat of the car. Hmm? The devil make you like that man. You, you get a little insecurity. You get a little fear about something. You get a little overwhelmed with your responsibility. And all that kind of stuff. He'll make you get on that tough. He says now these are the benefits. First one. <laughs> taking care of your sin. Can we say that in the house of God? He forgives all your iniquities. Ooh, even that one I don't yeah, that one that you don't even want to admit you got, he knows about it. How you think you live so long if he didn't forgive it? He forgives all your iniquities. Oh, and guess what? Heals all your diseases. So those are the top two. Forgiveness and then healing in the benefits department. Number three is another spiritual benefit is redemption. Yes, praise God. Hallelujah. Mm. He redeems your life from destruction. You know the old folks would say danger seen and unseen. Uh-huh. <laughs> I probably should do that. It's time for the danger seen and unseen show. Oh, sure. They knew. They had a sense that there were things that could have happened because they see them happening to other people around them. Forgives all your iniquities, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from destruction, crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Yeah, a crown is somebody who's seated. You know, I mean, there's a kneeling there to receive it. You know, when when people are given their crowns, coronated, whatever you want to call it. But you know that there's a, a, a reverence there to respect that somebody offers that to you. And then you rise up and you're seated. You quit working. See, you quit your hard labor. You quit your heavy labor when you're crowned with loving kindness and tender mercies. Then food is number four. (laughs) (laughs) Taking care of your physical man. Well, the healing, definitely. He says he satisfies your mouth with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Huh? You know I was. I had gone through a, a thing where I kept. Munchy things around all the time. I still keep them. Now I kept them for years and never ate them. You know they are just like hey they're here. <laughs> and one day I started eating them. I was like that stuff pretty good. Huh? So I kept, kept thinking about it. And I, I said God you know I got to stop this. And so he showed me the scripture. He said ask me to satisfy your mouth with things that are good for you. Not just good tasting to you. But good for you. Good things that are good for you. So this is your you know. And let God lead you to them. Don't, now don't get on there and start getting the wheatgrass people. and the. 
Oh yeah, you going you gonna go you gonna go far when you do this. Yeah, anyway. And and you know, people do well on it for a while and then after a while they drop off. Nobody eats that stuff forever unless they're just, you know they don't have a brain anymore and don't have a uh, you know, sense of smell, but <laughs> I mean faith will make you believe in anything. Even natural faith will cause you to get a feeling of well-being just from anything that you do. Shows you how merciful God is. So he satisfies your mouth with good things or things that are good for you so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. So really God will provide you with food that renews your youth, renews your strength. Not send you to an early grave, not give you diabetes or high blood pressure or anything like that, but he will satisfy your mouth and you'll be satisfied. You won't feel like somebody is not letting you have stuff. You know, you won't feel deprived. You know, you go to the doctor and they restrict everything and you sit up there, well man, I can't I got a list of don'ts, you know, don't haves. What can I have? And God says you'll be satisfied. He'll give you a sense of satisfaction with what he provides for you to eat. He said, so he said, I want to keep you young and healthy. When God is in charge of what you eat, you'll be young and healthy. He says he executes righteousness and judgment. You see anything here about wealth and money yet? I don't think so. So. And most people don't have it, folks. I mean, to me, it's just a pipe dream. I'd rather just forget about it. God, you bless me according to my faithfulness. Don't let me get obsessed with this stuff and buying everybody's tapes and trying to get all this in my brain all day long. So I'll get it. I'll get it. I've got to get this down pat. You don't got to get nothing but God. And be a blessing to people. Be a giver. The more you think about money and set your goals high and the more you're in lack, the more it worries you what you don't have. It's just a dream for most people anyway because as much as we taught it, people don't still don't have it. Listen, if you got a second job, it wouldn't take you this long to accumulate you know, some savings or something. You know, it's it's a it's an off balance message. It's off the foundation of what God has given us. Get it back on the foundation, and you can believe God for whatever you see in the world that He tells you. Word that He tells you is yours, but you've got to get it back on the right foundation again, and get some peace within yourself about what God has for you. So he executes righteousness and judgment. You need that. Because the devil's out there stealing every day. You know I mean. If you, you get into a love relationship with God. You find out where your enemies are. What they're stealing. How they're stealing it. What they've got. And what they don't have. And you'll be able to get it back. Sevenfold. Because he executes righteousness and judgment for all who are oppressed. Huh? People treat you bad, treat you wrong. Uh, set you up for failure. People do that sometimes. <clears throat> it happened to somebody at their job. 
they were working and doing well and witnessing the people there and everything and all of a sudden lost the job why they got comfortable with a relationship with the boss and they set him up just totally set up a Christian you got me and so we have to be careful to stay in the love relationship with God you get let your foundation get Get comfortable with some. Think you don't have to be diligent. Think you got it made there. That's the first, you know, the first toe in the noose is that care, you know, carelessness. It's not not seeking to please God more. God, what else can I do for you today? God, there's a hurting world out there. God, what can I? What what? The, this is what his children should be asking him. Not for benefits all the time and make me wealthy. I'm a tither. I'm a giver. He knows what you are and you're a liar. You ain't doing half of what you say you're doing. You say the Lord is merciful and gracious. Slow to anger. Plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide. In other words he won't just keep correcting you all the time he won't keep his anger forever and I don't care how bad your life is he hasn't dealt with you after your sins he's forgiven all of them that's why you're still alive that's why you're still healthy that's why you can still function because he's he's cast most of them away from you it's the disobedience we persist in that we wind up having to pay for you got me Little court and cutting corners here, cutting corners there, not being people of integrity. If Jesus had cut corners, we'd be on our way to a very hot hell. He didn't eliminate anything. He didn't refuse to do anything the Father told him to do. He did it all. You don't think he requires that from us? Are you kidding? There's no free ride. You can only reap as much as you sow. The Bible says if you sow in righteousness, just do what God tells you to do. You finish doing that, do some more. You got that done, do some more. Uh, Where's my me time? You don't get none. You don't need none. What did he say? He says, I take care of you. He knows exactly what you need. All you have to do is make your request known to him. And he'll make sure he gets it to you. Does that seem like there's something to worry about? Are you you concerned about me now still? Most of the time you taking care of yourself you mess it up. And you and I both know that. Anybody have a bright idea? The last bright idea you had cost you money didn't it? That's what I thought. So that's what you get for your me me situations. They're very expensive. It says for as far as the heaven is above the earth so great is his mercy toward them that worship him. See? You you fear and worship the Lord his great mercy is so high. Now yeah. See he's he's good to us. 
He's bigger than his benefits. His love is bigger than his benefits. I'm telling you. His love is bigger than his benefits. When when God shows you just out of nowhere. He's. You know somebody blesses you with something. And you didn't even pray for it. It, it was a thought in your mind somewhere. And you didn't even. And it didn't took, take an expression of faith. He got it there before you even had a chance to ask for it. His love is bigger than his benefits. Because if you had prayed for it. And sowed for it and asked for it. You got a sense of it, you've earned it or something. But here he comes with it just out of nowhere. And blesses you with it because he says, you know what? God God says something like this. You know what? You were on my mind today. You were on my mind today. And I wanted to show you that I was thinking about you today. You got me? It's, it's a good thing, folks. It's a good thing. So we have redemption and profession, uh, protection. Crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercy. So we're seated. And we rule and reign with him. See when you sow you're not working for anything. You're distributing. According to his will. See there's a distribution according to the will of God. That includes the things that are necessary for your life in abundance. That's all you're doing. God defends his own folks. You serve God and and he'll go to bat for you in every way possible. There's no length and depth that he won't go to redeem and and correct. You know even, even though you're the culprit. You make mistakes. I learned not to let that stop me from pursuing what I knew was mine. You know, people say, well, well, you made the mistake. Are you kidding me? He died for my mistakes. That's been paid for already. Are you kidding me? You think I'm going to let that stop me from beating up the devil? Oh, contraire, honey. I will whoop him and cuss him out too. And repent all at the same time. Religion, you know. It's a bunch of religion. Bunch of crazy religion. Man steals it from you. <laughs> Anything the devil can can do to slow you down and make you doubt God's love, he'll do it. Mm-hmm. Makes you doubt God's love, he'll do it. If your mistakes kept you from God's presence, Jesus never would have died and included you in a covenant. <clears throat> Where he made the mistake with me was he showed me that in the Bible. <laughs> One time. Amen. Huh? Amen. Now the devil will fight you for it. You know fight you tooth and nail. Especially if God's called you to preach righteousness. And forgiving forgiveness and right standing in a covenant with God. You know I mean if the devil will fight you tooth and nail for that. He'll put people around you that seem to want to remind you you're not perfect. You know like I told you I was. Well you you think you do everything right. No you think I do everything right. Instead of watching yourself you're up here watching me. You better watch what you do. 
That Bible is written to you. About you. Not to you. About me or anybody else. Crazy people out here. I'm trying to work for my father. And you out here with some dumb stuff. Huh? Mess yourself up like that. Hmm? Anybody doubts the mercy of God. You look at Dr. Bounty Hunter. Now them people just living for God in a wild way. I used to think to myself. Come on God. Take them off television man. We don't need that. But we do. Hmm? They're on there for a reason. Because there are too many people running around here thinking that if they don't do certain things long enough they'll get blessed. And then people he wasn't married to Beth. They had two kids. He got like nine kids from seven different mothers and all this crazy stuff. But found God in a real way in jail for murder. Thinking well whatever, what other sin can they get? The way they cuss and they blaspheme a little bit. Huh? I mean that covers all of them pretty much folks. Yet they are forgiven. They work a very dangerous going after criminals. Most of them felons because the bounty I mean the, the bonds are high. You know they don't set a high bond on a traffic ticket. These are people that are drug dealers and carry guns and stuff. And the only thing they have is a can of mace and each other and God. And they pray before they go out and, and God brings them back. Whole intact, nothing missing, nothing broken every single time. And the Christian world needs to see that. Not the world at large so much. The Christian world needs this. Because the world at large looks and says, ooh, maybe there's a chance for me. <laughs> they did that. God did that for them. Is that God working? Well, yeah, I guess so. Well, they love God anyway, just like I love him. And ain't perfect. But the church needs that because we think we do everything right. And that's how we get blessed. But we are also wrong. To live this life of giving you, you have to take a stand. Giving requires that you take a stand. It cannot be done on a flexible basis. You can't be a flexible giver. By that I mean uh, sometimes yes, sometimes no, sometimes the exact amount God told you, sometimes less, sometimes this, sometimes that. You have to take a stand to do whatever the Father tells you to the letter. You can't take away from it and say, well, maybe this is necessary or God, this is the best I can do. He don't buy it. Whatever he gives you to do, you're well able to do it. Whatever the requirement is, you're well able to fulfill the requirement. You just don't want to. That's why he tells you to do it because he knows you don't want to. Because he's trying to kill that thing of don't want to out of you so he can bless you. You got me? He has to be able to get you to a point where he can get the blessing into your hand. You notice the same word forgive is the same word for receive. Because it's one action. You don't receive beyond your level of giving. It's impossible. And this is why there's so many disappointed Christians out there with the prosperity message. Because it did not stress love and giving. 
and obedience to God. If we've been doing that, this world be won over 15 times with the gospel. Everybody who's expecting to get a, a breakthrough in their finances from God would have taken a hundred tracks out and just gave them out in one day and led people to the Lord. But we tell people to put in the offering and expect a miracle. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong teaching. It's totally wrong. Anything taken out of this covenant and off the foundation of what Jesus said the first and most commandment and the second one is just like it. We pass up people going to hell every day on the way to church. Never stop. You see them in the supermarket. Never stop. Never notice them. Never chat with them. Because you got something important to do. When you determine to give, you humble yourself to anticipate the needs of others and seek a solution to that need. This is where your heart and your mind are. It does not always require that you just shrug it off and let and say how bad it is and give it to somebody else. Shrugging means that you felt the burden of it. And you're trying to get rid of it without resolving it. When you said yes to Jesus you also said here I am Lord send me. That was all in that statement. So we received that and we replied that when we let his spirit come unto us to be born again his spirit doesn't dwell in you just to meet your needs his spirit is a serving spirit it's concerned with the needs of humanity we take a stand to serve the master and, and, and love humanity in action acts of love are always acts of giving they're always acts of giving. God determines what and to whom we give, not us. That'd be easy to do. You give to somebody who's easy to give to. Give to somebody you like. Give to somebody who can give you back. Whatever, whatever. When we shut down our love, we shut down our giving. Mm-hmm. You need to pray for that wall to come down so that you can freely give because you freely received. God has not withheld anything from us, even his only son. He lives in you to give you words of life to serve humanity with. When we shut down our hearts, we don't want to give. Mm -hmm. it's very true loving people are free they're givers they're not self-conscious concerned about other how people look at them Uh what you need to be concerned about is how God looks at you Uh how is that what he wants you to do lay down self Lay that thing down. Grudging giving is not acceptable to God. 
Second Corinthians nine seven tells us he loves a cheerful giver of all things. When we give we open our hearts to God and he defines who we are not us. This is very important. That God be the one to identify you in the earth who you are. And from that identity your life flows. Your new creation person. The person God intended you to be from the beginning. He identifies who you are through your heart being filled with his love. Not with what you're concerned about. When we open our hearts to give beyond ourselves continually. Then we have the full expression of who we are in Christ. It's not by memorizing all those lists of things. It's good to know who you are. But when you start opening your heart to demonstrate those things. That's how you know who you are. Not until then. God created us to conquer and subdue. We can't do it in ourselves. These are spiritual activities. So our spirit must be totally engaged at all times for us to do this. When God enlarges our hearts, then we're equipped to be servants 24-7. Then the, and only then will the full blessing of the covenant be ours. You get the fullness when you give the fullness. Got me? You get the whole business when you give the whole business. It's, it can't happen any other way. That's what a covenant, that's central to covenant. is exchanging a life for a life. You give up something of you that you desperately want to hold on to. And then God will give you something great. You don't get it any other way. See this message sounds foreign to people's ears now. Because we've been taught it's okay to steal. Expect to receive without giving. Now we call it sowing and reaping and all that kind of stuff. But giving really speaks to who we are as Christ in the earth. Imitating Christ. If you teach covenant blessings without teaching people to imitate Christ. You're teaching them to be thieves. And you're giving them a wrong expectation of what life is going to be like with God. Huh? He wants his kids out there doing what his son did all the time. Not just every now and then. But you know a a faith accident. Do it on purpose. Purpose every morning when you get up. To make an impact on a neighbor. To, To pray about it before you go out of the house. God put somebody in my path today. Huh? Last time I said that I drove a girl 25 miles out of my way to drive 25 miles. But I obey God. You got me? It's going to cost you a little something. A little inconvenience. But it's nothing to God to have one of his children do that. He tells you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Thank God he didn't send me farther. You understand what I'm saying? And so these things are important folks. They're very important. If we're expecting to prosper... If we're expecting to do well, then we've got to get it back to the giving message. The loving and the giving message. That's 
all God ever preached to us. And oh yeah while you're loving me and living a life that's full with obeying me. Don't forget my benefits. Just don't forget them. Because they're important to your life to maintain your life. But they're not your life. You got it? Amen. Praise God. Father we thank you for your word and for understanding that comes with the ministry of your word to our hearts Lord and I thank you to correct our walks Lord get us on the right path the path we're supposed to be on and we thank you for it Father in Jesus name Amen praise God Amen if anybody needs prayer come on up I'll pray for you prayer for you